Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Chris. It's so great to have you with us for worship today. And I'm super excited because we're at the start of a brand new year, right? That 2020 was just a handful uh, all in and of itself. And I'm hoping that 2021 will be a lot better. And one of the ways that I get prepared for the new year is I purchase my handy dandy planner and this is something that I'm kind of old school I go by the old paper route I don't know if you're one of those but it keeps me straight just in the coming days and weeks and months and all that's up ahead well we're starting a new series today called emerged and that's what pastor James is going to talk about in this new year how do we set ourselves up to follow God to become the men and women who God has called us to be so make sure that if you haven't already go ahead and check in on Facebook check in on social media let your friends know that you're worshiping with us and they can too. And say hi in the chat. That's our way of connecting with you. Uh, say hi, good morning, good evening, whenever you're watching this. And we'd just love to connect with you, whether you're here local in the Fredericksburg region or you're national or international. And so hello and welcome. And we hope that you enjoy worship today. Hey, good morning, everyone. Let's stand to our feet as we worship together. His nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name. It's over all Jesus reigns. I know, oh, I know. 
God that is for us and that he can take anything and transform it. He can redeem time. He can transform hearts. He can bring restoration where things are broken. And so as we continue to worship, let's just thank that God that he is for us. He is with us. And no matter where you're at, no matter how broken something seems, no matter how lost you feel like you are, you have a God that is for you, that loves you. And he can turn even graves into gardens, something beautiful. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. It meant empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. Now every desire is now satisfied hearing your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is. Yeah, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain, He's the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace will find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. 
guys believe that this morning? that is just constantly moving, constantly wanting to restore and bring things beautiful. And so when we come under the name of Jesus like we gather here this morning, there's power in that name. How many of you know that? That there is power in the name of Jesus. Every other name is empty. Nothing compares to the name of Jesus. And so as we declare that name over us this morning, let's lift up our voices. Let's sing whether we're in tune or out of tune. And let's lift up that name of Jesus. Amen.
happen when we are in your presence, Lord. Healing takes place. Hope fills our hearts. Father, speak, for we are listening, Lord. Whatever you want to do here this morning, just have your way. Flood this place and fill the 
Come flood this place the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Let's not rush out of these moments. Just linger in his presence. There's nothing sweeter than just being with you. Father, we find our peace in you, find our comfort in you, find our hope in you. Father, let us always be aware of your spirit. Let's always be aware of your presence. Beyond these moments and everything we do, God, you are with us. You are near. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. I just pray that you continue to speak to every heart here, every heart that hears my voice as we've come to meet with you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to church, everyone. Hopefully you guys had an amazing Christmas. I know we had a blast here on Christmas Eve, so hopefully you guys were able to enjoy time with your families, whether that was in person or on a phone or on a Zoom, however you guys spent it. We hope you guys had an amazing time and that you decided to come here on Sunday to continue to worship with us. And so just got a couple of quick announcements. Uh, taking our tithes and offerings at any point, you can just pull out the cell phone and sign on to the app or just go to stanfields.com slash giving, uh, or you can go out to one of the giving kiosks, or if you're joining us online, just click that little green button in the top right-hand corner. There are many ways that you can give. Again, this just uh, helps us to fulfill the, the vision and mission of Sandfields Community Church uh, through your generosity, and so we thank you for every single gift that you continue to, to give through that. Uh, also, you can fill out a connection card online or via the app as well. Uh, again, just another way that we can connect with you and whether you have a prayer request or whether you have something else going on, it's just a way that you can reach out to us so that we can be in communication with one another. Uh, today, we launched our brand new series, Emerge. Uh, it's going to carry us through a, a couple weeks, and I'm really excited about it, just hearing a Pastor James's heart and vision for this series, and so I know it's really going to help us enter a brand new year, uh, focused and really just uh, ready to really see what the Lord wants to do in and through our lives. And so I'm uh, so glad that you guys have joined us for that. Um, but as a part of this series, we're going to be having a 24-hour 
prayer event. It's going to kick off on January 15th through the 16th, and we're just going to go from 7 p.m. to 7 p.m., uh, so you don't have to be a part of it for 24 hours. It would be awesome if you wanted to do that, uh, but no, it's kind of come and go uh, as you please. Um, there's going to be a more, if you want complete full details of that, uh, you can visit SalemFields.com or you can email Kelly at SalemFields.com. They'll give you the full rundown. Uh, but it would be awesome if we could just, as a church, just commit to being a part of prayer because uh, amazing things happen when we pray and we, we really allow God to move uh, through that. And then one final note. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is continuing. This is just, again, another ministry that we do here at the church. Uh, the day they usually meet on Thursdays, they are actually moving to Wednesdays this week. Uh, so if you want more information about that, email celebraterecovery at salemfields.com. Uh, so glad that you guys are joining us here this morning. Pastor James has an awesome message for us. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, happy almost new year, should I say. Is it, is it almost new year? Are we, are we getting there? Um, I'm just so glad you're here today, and I want to welcome you here, and, uh, and if you are watching online, maybe you won't watch it in the morning, but you'll watch it in the evening or in the afternoon or whenever you watch it, we're so glad that you're joining us here uh, as we begin this kickoff to a brand new year. And so for a brand new year, we, we start a brand new series called Emerged, an Emerged New Year. Uh, a new year is coming, and so most of us are glad to say goodbye to 2020. Anybody in the house happy to say goodbye to 2020? I mean, I'm happy. Now, you would have thought, you would have thought after all that we went through with the mask wearing and the social distancing and, and the not being able to go here or there or, or Thanksgiving or Christmas with family that we would get a better response than that. So let me try that one more time. Is anyone happy to say goodbye to 2020? Yeah. <laughs> I know I am. I mean, I, I'm a hospitality kind of guy. My second gifting is hospitality, leadership, hospitality, and, and, and evangelism. And so this idea of not being able to have family over, uh, be, besides my immediate family who I love, and it was good to hang out with them, but that was tough for me. And so I'm so glad that we're heading into 2021. Let me ask you the question, what would you like to accomplish in 2021? What would you like to accomplish in 2021? As we go into this new year, uh, we all hope that life is going to get better, right? I mean, we all hope that we're going to do some things better. We're going to accomplish some more things that life is going to get better because nothing could be as messed up as 2020. But most of us want to do better in a new year. I mean, we walk into a new year and we, we had this idea, we had this list. So I'm going to do this better. I'm going to accomplish this to a higher degree, a higher level. I'm going to move in this direction because we want to achieve more and go to a whole new level in the next year. I mean, I don't know people. I don't know many people who would say, I want to do more. I want to do terrible. I just want to blow it. I want to stink the place up in 2021. I don't know many people who say, I don't want to do better. I don't want to achieve more. I don't want to go to a new level. Maybe we're hoping that our lives will be better relationally. Maybe we're hoping that with families and friends, we would have a better relationship. Maybe your marriage is good. Maybe your marriage is, is not so good, but you want to do better in your marriage next year. 
Maybe you're hoping for some financial gain, you right? Maybe you want to gain more money or you might want to get out of debt. So you're thinking, I want my life to be better financially. Maybe it's physically. Maybe from a physical standpoint, you want to be healthier in 2021 than you were in 2020. And most importantly, maybe spiritually. I shouldn't say maybe, let's say spiritually, we want to do better. We want to go to a whole new life. We believe that God has things for us to do, that he wants to accomplish something in our lives, that he wants to wear us like a glove, and we would say we want to do better spiritually. Now, as I went through that list of things, how many people would raise their hand and say, I need to do better or I want to do better in some of those things? My hand is raised because I want to do better in all of those areas of my journey. I hope in all of those areas next year I'm going to go to a whole new level because I don't know anybody who wants to do worse. I mean, I've never heard anybody say, you know, I'm hoping to gain 50 extra unnecessary pounds and I'm hoping that I'll raise my blood pressure really high, you know, and I'm hoping that I'll set myself up for the risk of a heart attack, said no one right? No one says that. I mean, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who says, you know, I'm really hoping to blow through my emergency fund and get myself twenty dollars or $30,000 in debt and, and, and give debt for my family. I don't know anyone who would say that. I, w- I want to be in debt. I want to be broke. I don't know anyone who would say that. I mean, I've never heard anyone say that. I've never met anyone who said, yep, Yep, my, my marriage is good, but you know what? I want to totally decimate my marriage in the new year. I want to totally blow it up. I don't know anyone who says that. No, we usually want to do better when we come to the end of a year and we look toward the next year. Here's a question I want you to ask yourself. Next year, I want and hope to do fill in the blank. Next year. I want and hope to do, to accomplish. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish going into the next year? Perhaps you're hoping to pay off some student debt or strengthen your marriage. Maybe you're hoping the family say, I'm going to start serving in the church. I'm going to find my place of giftedness, my place of ministry. I'm going to start serving. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I want to start to give something financially. I want to start to give back. As you answer that question, here's what you need to realize about hope. You know, we hope to do a lot of things. We hope to go to the next level. We hope to get out of debt. We hope to strengthen our marriage. We hope to get a promotion on our job. We hope, we hope, we hope. But here's the reality. Hope in and of itself never changes anything. Hope can be a catalyst to change, but hope never changes anything. Actions do that. You know, when actions and hope come together, that will get us there. How many of us have had resolutions in past years where we said, you know what, this year we're going to get it done? How many of us have had past resolutions that never happened? I know I have. You know, I'm not talking about some passive kind of wish, but an active pursuit. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put hope into action as we emerge into a new year. 
so that we can have an emerged new year of hope. We're going to put hope into action. The Bible actually talks about putting hope into action. The Bible actually talks about how it's more than just hoping, but our hope has to move with action. Our faith has to be put into action. God's word says to put hope into action. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 and 14. I'm going to start halfway through 13. Here's what it says. Be totally ready to receive the gift that is coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. know now. The NLT says it this way. Put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now, now let me read that first part that I didn't read. So roll up your sleeves and put your mind in gear and be totally ready to receive the gift when Jesus Christ arrives. That sounds like some work. That sounds like some self-discipline. Craig Rochelle, uh, he kind of he defines self-discipline like this. I love this. Choosing what you want most over choosing what you want now. Self-discipline, choosing what you want most over choosing what you want now. You know, I want to work out seven days a week now. I know that's not your goal, but that's my goal. But what I want most is an increasingly better relationship with my family. So I'm going to put what I want most over what I want now, because if I worked out seven days a week, I would have no time for my family when I got off of work. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put what I want most before what I want now. And so maybe I only work out three days a week and I spend some time with my wife and my kid. That's what it means. You might say, well, I, I want to eat out five days a week. I love going out to eat. I love, I'm a fooder. I love to go to all kinds of restaurants. And I want to go out to eat. But what you want most right now, what you want now, maybe to eat. But what you want most is maybe to get out of some debt. You might, want to, you might want to get out of some debt that keeps you up at night. So what you decide to do is maybe I'm only going to eat out one time a week, and then I'm going to go to the store and buy some food and take the money that I would have spent on the food and put it away on some debts. Somebody say amen. <laughs> There's a story in the Old Testament that talks about what we can do to put hope into action to go to the next level, to make sure that we have an emerged, emerged new year of hope. And it's the, it's the story of Nehemiah. <laughs> it's the story of Nehemiah. Uh, and, uh, and, and Nehemiah has a situation he's dealing with. He has a situation that he needs to tackle. He has something that he wants now versus something that he wants more. And so he's trying to tackle this situation Nehemiah is found in the first testament of the Bible. Nehemiah's story, I'm not going to go over the whole story here, but there's some, there's some points in this story, three points in this story that will help you and I emerge with a new year of hope. And it's just found there in Nehemiah. So if you have Nehemiah, you have your Bibles with you. If not, it'll be on the screen, your iPads, your phone, whatever. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 1. And, and he has three things that Nehemiah does to kind of emerge the, from his situation with great hope. 
I want you to write them down. If you have a pen or a pencil or you have your iPad, write these down. The first thing Nehemiah does, and we'll hear about the problem later, but Nehemiah defines the problem. And if you're, if you're going to go to the next level, if you're going to have this reemerged hope in 2021, if you're going to go to the next level financially and, and spiritually and relationally in all of these areas, you got to define what is keeping you from going to the next level in these areas so you define the problem. We see this in the life of Nehemiah. But let me tell you a little bit about who Nehemiah was before we get into this story. Nehemiah was a Jewish man in the service of the Persian king, Artaxerxes. okay? He was the cupbearer, which meant not only did he bring the king wine, but more importantly, he tasted the wine before he gave it to the king to make sure it wasn't poisonous and it would kill the king. It was a very important role in the king, king's court. He was anxious. Now, Nehemiah was in the king's court, and he was anxious to hear about the Jewish people who re were returning to the province of Judah because the Jews had been in exile for decades. And so when some of his close friends show up to tell him about what's going on, he defined the problem. So in chapter 1, verse 3, this is what it says. They told me, the exiled survivors who are left there, who are left there in the province are in bad shape. Conditions are appalling, and the wall of Jerusalem is still in rubble. The city gates are still cinders. Interesting. Now, it's important to, to talk about the significance of a wall in that time frame. The wall was the greatest source of protection for a city. It was the security from the enemies. The people who were living there were more vulnerable and at risk. And with no wall, the enemy could come in and attack at any time. So Nehemiah just didn't hope things would get better. He didn't wish for things to get better. He defined the problem because he thought to himself, we must rebuild the wall. You know what happens in life, a lot of time in our life? Instead of defining the problem, we let the problem define us. Have you ever been in a situation, you might, be, you might be a little anxious and you say, you might be a little, have a little anxiety and you say, I'm an anxious person. Or, or you might have, be dealing with a, a disease and you begin to call yourself a diseased person or whatever the case. You might be dealing with some financial struggles and you begin to define yourself by saying, I'm broke. And so what happens is we let the problem define us instead of defining the problem. And, and what Nehemiah did in that situation is he defined the problem. Maybe today, maybe today in your life, whether you're listening to me online or in the auditorium, is you need to stop letting the problem define you, and you need to define the problem. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there and slipped and thought to yourself, I got this issue, but I'm letting the issue define me? And sometimes what will happen is we'll just give up. And we'll just say, this is all there is. It's never going to get any better. I'm never going to do any better. I'm never going to go to the next level. That's letting the problem define us. I don't know how many times in my life where I've been going through something and there's been the temptation to give up and to give in and let the problem define me. No, you define the problem 
Years ago, I had a problem, and then my wife would say I had lots of problems, but that's a sermon for another day. But when I was younger, I had a problem, what I call Teflon relationships. I had relationships, but I would only let people get so close to me because I had been hurt by people who were close to me, and so I was never going to be hurt again, so you could only get so close to me. I'll talk about that a little bit later. For you, maybe you're thinking about a problem that you've had for a really long time. This was the case for Nehemiah. The walls of Jerusalem had been broken down for, some people say, 150 years. Some people say 152 years. I'm going to go with 152 years. For nearly 152 years, and no one could rebuild them. Can you think of the people inside those walls? Could you think of the exiles coming back to their home and seeing their walls tore down, the city gates tore down? They had no security. They were afraid all the time. They were hiding out all the time. That's where they were for 152 years. Can you think, can you see the people? The problem had defined them. We have no walls. We have no city gates. And, and so they're hiding out. They would not dare to try to rebuild the walls because the problem had defined them instead of them defining the problem. No doubt you may have tried something for years and you've not been successful. You've had an issue. You've had a problem and you tried this and that and you've gone this place and that place and you spent this money and that money and you've not been able to do much. And maybe you don't want to admit it Perhaps most important relationships aren't what they used to be. Some of you thought you would never have a substance control your life like this substance is controlling you. So some of this in this room you need to deal with and, and name and define a problem of depression. Here's the reality. you got to define the problem because you can't deal with with and defeat what you cannot define. Or as a therapist told me one day, James, you can't, you can't get over what you're never willing to admit. Call it out. Make it clear. Fill in the blank. This is the problem. This is the issue. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what's keeping me from being all that I want to be in Christ Jesus. This is what's keeping me from financial freedom. This is what's keeping me from a good marriage. This is what's keeping me from a, a, a good spiritual life. This is the issue. Define the issue. Then one day, like Nehemiah, you'll be able to turn the page and, we, and say, we must rebuild the wall and then from that point on, things will begin to be different because back on this page, this issue defined me, but I've turned the page to a new year, and on this page, I'm defining the issue. You get what I'm saying? I'm defining the issue. Who knows how long you've been stuck in this back page here, stuck in this defeat here, but, but it's a new year, it's a new day, and if you define the issue, you can get over that page and get on another page. You turn the page and you realize, I need to pursue my most important relationships. You turn the page and you say, for the first time in my life, I'm going to attend church on a regular basis. I'm going to get involved. I'm, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to engage God's word daily. I'm going to get in a small group. 
You turn the page and decide, I'm going to live on a budget and I'm going to put some accountability and some safeguards in place. See, God, by his power that's available to you, will help you and I turn the page in our lives. You see, sometimes, sometimes things can be so painful so rocky, so messed up, so unstable that we just adopt that as a new normal. We just decide this is the way it's going to be. It's never going to be any different. And sometimes we can lay down and lie down and wallow in this this indifference to things. But God, by his power, will help us change the page if we decide to define the problem See, sometimes we don't even realize that we're in great risk, that our walls are torn down, and the enemy can attack at any time. We're vulnerable and we're at risk. Sometimes we don't even realize it, but be encouraged. Be encouraged, church. Be encouraged, belongers, because it's through our greatest problems that God gets the greatest glory if we will surrender them to him. How do you put hope into action and, and, and kind of come out in the emerged new year? Number one, you define the problem. If you, if you have your pens there with you, if you have something there with you, God the Holy Spirit is present. We've prayed, we sang that he'd be here, and God the Holy Spirit is speaking, whether you're online or in this auditorium, God is speaking, and God is defining, helping you to define the problem right now. You know what the problem is. Write it down. Define the problem. Take the first step. Defining the problem. The next step is this. Diligently, with passion, seek God. Nehemiah 1.4 says this, when I heard this, I sat down and I mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I don't know, I, I don't know if you think that's a good solution, but I think that's a good solution. Because if I have a problem and I've defined the problem and I realize that I can't solve the problem, I need to take the problem to a problem solver. And that's what Nehemiah did. He took the problem, once he had defined the problem, the problem is the walls are torn down and people have lost hope. And once he defined the problem, I need to rebuild the walls. Once he realizes that he can't do it on his own, he goes to the problem solver and he takes his problem to God. You see, there's a reality of sadness here when you read this verse to see how Nehemiah sits down and cries and then he kneels to pray. The moment he defined the problem, Jerusalem is in great trouble and disgrace. What could he do? He could take it to the one that could help him solve the problem. When you have a vision to do something in your life, when you have a vision to go to a next level, when you have a vision to accomplish something that you've never accomplished before, that other people said you couldn't accomplish, when other people said that you'll never do it, when you have that kind of vision in your life, uh, you're going to need a God in heaven that can help you accomplish that vision. I experienced this in my own life. Remember I told you that I was struggling with Teflon relationships. I had been hurt by those who were supposed to protect me. And even though I said I forgave them, 
Even though I said I forgave the people who let me down, it was tepid forgiveness at best. So I made sure that no one, no one would ever hurt me again. The result was I held relationships at an arm's length and bragged about my Teflon relationships. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Thanks to slide off my back. You can't hurt me. You can't come for me. It's going to slide off my back. You can't hurt me. And just in case you're wondering what Teflon is, for some of you maybe who didn't grow up in the Teflon days, Teflon was a substance that they would put on pans. I'm sure that's not where it started, but that's where it became popular. They would put it on pans, and they, they would make pans nonstick. And so you could do your eggs and burn your eggs, or you could burn your, your, your syrup or whatever, and you, it would just kind of wipe off because Teflon would keep bad things from sticking to your pots and pans. The problem with Teflon relationships is they are surface level with not much depth. The best non-Christian advice and I think it could be Christian or non-biblical advice I've ever received in my life was when a therapist said to me, James, relationships are not about Teflon, they're about Velcro. Now, if you know anything about Velcro, Velcro is stuff that sticks. It's the whole point of Velcro is to keep something sticking, and I was trying to keep things from not sticking, right? I didn't want things to stick. The statement rocked my world. My therapist was saying, James, if you're going to do real relationships, you've got to learn to trust again, forgive, and do the hard work of move, removing your Teflon attitudes about others. And when I think of what God in Christ Jesus did for me, when I think of how many times God in Christ Jesus could have just been Teflon and said, I'm not dealing with this kid, he keeps on messing up. He keeps on doing his own thing. He keeps on being disobedient. He keeps on not listening. He won't pray. He won't read the Bible. He won't. God could have been Teflon. He could have adopted that approach, but that's not what he did. God in Christ Jesus had a Velcro approach, and he just kept coming and coming and coming, trying to do relationship with me. So once the problem is defined, shallow, surface relationships, I knew I could not change it on my own. I needed to exchange my Teflon for God's Velcro, and by his grace and help, he helped me not only to to remove that Teflon and then move into deeper, more abiding relationships. He helped me to help others do exactly the same thing. So I diligently, passionately sought God and said, this is not working. The very thing that I thought would protect me is, is, is keeping me from having good, deep relationships So what God did when I took it to him, and it wasn't just easy because uh, there was some hard work I had to do. I had to go have some conversations because the reason why I felt abandoned and I didn't want those relationships is because some people had pretty much abandoned me, and so I had to go have tough relationships with tough conversations with those people. And I had to do some hard work but I defined the problem, and I, and I did the hard work, and God helped me with it. 
Maybe you've had a similar experience in your life. Maybe it's when you hold your firstborn baby girl that you decided at that point, nope, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I want to walk this young lady down the aisle. Maybe it's when you, when you get an eviction letter for the first and second and third time, you decide this is enough. I'm not going to live above my means financially any longer. You're determining that this is the problem. You're seeking God for his help and his power to make a change in your life. See, this emerged hope begin to happen when Nehemiah starts to pray and fast after hearing the news that the walls of Jerusalem were still down after 152 years. The Bible says, and I, I'm not going to go into all of it, but the Bible says that he went and he spoke to the king and he got permission. He got permission to go and rebuild the walls. The king gave him papers and because he had prayed and he had fasted, God gave him favor with the king. He went and he asked for papers. Papers, the king basically gave him permission to go to the province where he had grown up and rebuild the walls. Then it could have been easy for Nehemiah to think when he heard the news, that's so terrible. It could have been easy for him to say, you know what, I'm going to go to my Facebook page and I'm going to complain and murmur and groan. Right? Because that's what we do, right? I'm going to go to my Facebook page and I'm going to write a detailed complaint about the walls being broken down. And after I do that, I can get on with my life. That's not what he did. Now here's the interesting thing. Nehemiah was not a mason. He was not a general contractor. He was not a bricklayer. He had no skills that would help him build the wall. You know what he was? Nehemiah, Nehemiah you know the job he had? Nehemiah was a professional wine taster. That's what he did for a living. Now some of you might want to say, I want to be a professional wine taster. I would say, don't do it. But he was a professional wine taster. He knew nothing about, he knew nothing about bricklaying, but he believed in a God. He believed in a God who told him to go, and so he went. Some of you are thinking right now, well, James, I don't have the ability to tackle this problem. I don't have the ability to deal with this situation. To find a problem, go to God and diligently seek him. And then allow him to give you your marching orders. See, the only way that we know anything about rebuilding a wall and, and getting papers and going to the king and getting permission is when we diligently seek God. See, he, he sought God and then God took ownership of the problem so that he could also own the solution with God's help. You know, sometimes when we go to God, right, sometimes we just need to go to God because then God takes ownership of the problem. It goes from being your problem and my problem to God's problem. And then we're not defined by that problem anymore because it becomes God's problem. And then God gives us solutions and says, hey, you know what? If you will do this, I will do this. We always have this part that God allows us to do. Sometimes we wait for God to perform a miracle and wave a magic wand and, and we don't have any skin in the game. What I've learned over the years that I've been on this earth and I've been dealing with problems, there's always skin in the game that God wants to use me and we can wish forever 
forever that my finances get better, my marriage get better, I get unhooked off of this addiction, this hang-up, this hurt, this habit, or stuff like that. But here's the deal, there's a kid in the game. God wants to use you to be part of the miracle. He wants to use you to do that which you cannot do on your own. And then people will look at you and say, that guy's not even a bricklayer. How did he get the walls built? And you can say, the problem stopped being my problem. And the problem became God's problem. And God rebuilt the walls. And you know what happens then? then people start to take a different look at God. See, if I, if, if I want to take all the credit, that doesn't help people. But when I begin to say, listen, I don't have the ability to do this on my own. I don't have to have the ability to take my Teflon off. I don't have the ability to speak to my parents and tell them, some, speak some truth in them. You know what my parents did every time another kid went and spoke some truth into them? They usually either blew them off, cursed them out, or got angry with them. Because I'd given the problem to God, my parents opened their ears and they listened. My siblings will say, man, James, they never listened to us. And I'll say, it's because I gave the problem to God. God can make things happen <laughs> that don't normally happen. What's the one change you could make today that would put you on a path that God has called and intended for you? Imagine what you could do for the kingdom if you were physically healthy. Imagine what you could do and the kind of blessings uh, that you could do not only honoring God, uh, uh, but helping the mission of hope to go to the world, if you, would, if you would just make the decision today, today is going to be the beginning of me tithing and, and being a generous giver. Imagine how much bolder your witness could be if you just decided today my relationship with Christ is going to take first priority in my life and I'm going to go to a whole new level when we realize that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength then our lives begin to change. We turn the page over to a brand new page and we can have a new year that's emerged with hope. Number one, you define the problem. Number two, you seek diligently after God. And I've already talked about number three a little bit, but you do the work. Now, Nehemiah 2.17, year after year as January's come and go, year after year as resolutions are made and resolutions are broken, we all know how this all works. Everybody signs up for a gym membership, right? The gyms love this. Everybody signs up a gym membership in November. Planet Fitness loves this because they know that somewhere in March, all those people who have signed up, they're going to stop doing it, and they're not going to go and remove their membership free because they'll feel guilty. So you get all all these membership frees with no one using their equipment. I should get in that business. You should get in that business. We should get in that business. You know how they can charge $10? Because they have hundreds of clients that never show up and use their equipment. Year after year, moment after moment, we make these resolutions. We're going to do better. And we need to realize that God wants to do things in our lives. 
But, but those things are limited by the, our unwillingness or our willingness to do the work. Whatever you're thinking about, whatever the problem is in your life, you, you thought about it before. I mean, let's be honest. This, this is not the first time that we've had to come and be confronted by the issue. This is not the first time we've had to be confronted by the problem. You and I know what the problem is. I know what my problems are. We, we, we come up with solutions on how to solve things, but the problem is, will we put in the work? See, this is when the real change happens, when the alarm clock rings at 5 a.m. in the morning, and you know it's time to get up and go to the gym, and, and everything in you wants to turn over and go back to sleep. The real change happens when we get up. The real change happens when we go to the store and we see something and we know we have a credit card and we can simply put it on a credit card and pay for it in payments. The real change happens when we decide to know, not today, not today, today I'm going to go in a different direction. See, we're not talking about a New Year's resolution that's going to be dead in three weeks. We're talking about putting hope into action right, for an emerged new year empowered by God to change the trajectory of our lives. You're on a new page now. The year is going to be different than last year, than every other year before. It's not a new year's resolution. We're putting hope into action. Nehemiah did this when he got to Jerusalem. You see, he personally inspected the walls to see the extent of the damage. Then he gathered all the leaders together, the nobles, the priests, and the officials. And this is what he said to them. We, we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 2, 17, 18. Face it. He says this to them. Face it. We're in a bad way here. Jerusalem is a wreck. Its gates are burned up. Come, let's build the wall of Jerusalem. God was supporting me. Oh, and not live in this disgrace any longer. I told them how God was supporting me and how the king was backing me up. And they said, we're with you. Let's get started. And then they rolled up their sleeves ready for the good work. Now, the good news is you're going to do the work. But the great news is is, is you're not going to do it alone. The God who is with you will empower you and will be there to help you. And others should and could be a part of the process as well. But don't think for a moment that, that your great work, that your, that, that your hope and, and your action, you're, you'll put hope in action without opposition because there will always be opposition Learn to expect that whenever you decide to do something, whenever you define the problem, whenever you go to God, and whenever you begin to do the hard work, there's going to be opposition. That's life. Nehemiah experienced opposition when two guys named Sambalit and Tobiah came to visit him. They constantly ridiculed him. They made fun of him. They said things like, do you really think you're going to rebuild the walls? with a stone, with a garbage heap. They, they even said, if a fox runs on the wall, it will crumble and fall down. I love Nehemiah because he's resolute and steadfast in his mindset. He, he was, when he was asked to come, someone's always going to ask you to come down from the wall, to come down from the hard work to have a conversation. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. 
If they can't discourage you, they will get your attention off of the hard work that God is calling you to do. Somebody will come to you and say, listen, you can buy this one thing. You deserve it. Been there, done that. Somebody will come to you and say, don't apologize to that person. Don't try to make that relationship right after, that, after all that person hurt you. Somebody will come to you and they will try to get you distracted from the hard work that God has called you to do. When you, got, when you face opposition, you got to shake it off and say, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Because once you decide to turn the page in your life in 2021, you will hear voices inside your head. And it will be the voice of Satan whispering to you, what do you think you're doing? Do you really think you're going to meetings every single week that that, that will get you clean? You love how this stuff makes you feel. You'll hear him say, what do you think you're doing? If something doesn't go just the way you want it, you always get angry. It's just a part of you, who you are. You're an angry person. You always fly off the handle. Do you really believe you're going to be able to control your anger and temper when you struggle with it your whole life? When you face resistance and you hear that voice, you just need to shake it off. Let me stop here. I want to do this exercise, right? I want everyone in the room or if you're at home listening, I want you just kind of to kind of say something really loud with me. I want you to repeat after me, shake it off. Can you do that? One, two, three, shake it off. All right, one one more time. A little bit louder than that. Shake it off. When you deal with with opposition, shake it off. Don't allow them to lure you and pull you off of the good work that you're doing because he who began a good work in you will complete it in you. Shake it off. Let it go. Ignore the person. Do what you need to do. Shake it off. See, you're building a great wall in your life. You cannot come down. Remember, you don't just have hope. You have hope in action, inspired by naming the problem. Number two, diligently seeking God and looking for his help and guidance. And number three, you're willing to do the work of to become resolute in your determination. And then the results. I love the results. In Nehemiah's case, the results stunned and shocked Everyone around the wall that had been in ruin for nearly 152 years. The walls that everyone said would never be rebuilt were rebuilt and completed in 52 days. Maybe someone's saying to you, you're never going to go to the next level. You're never going to get physically healthy. You're never going to have your finances together. You're never going to have relationships together. You're never going to go to a next level spiritually. And maybe you said it to yourself. And maybe you've let the problem define you instead of defining the problem. But I'm here to tell you today that God can see, do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or, or even imagine, that God at work in you, you defining the problem and, 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 and going to God with it and willing to do the hard work, God can make it happen in your life. If God can do that, imagine what he can do in your situation. When you define the problem, when you diligently seek him, 
God will help you turn the page in your life. So what's tangibly steps that you need to make? What are some of those tangible steps? Maybe you need some accountability. Maybe you need someone in your life. Maybe if you have a, a hurt, a habit, or an addiction, you, you need to jump in and go to this first Celebrate Recovery group on Wednesday. Maybe that's your first step. I'm tired of the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups of my life, destroying my life. I'm going to go to celebrate recovery. I'm going to get an accountability partner. I'm going to do the hard work. Maybe you need a mentor or a trainer. Maybe you need a mentor or a trainer that will train you physically. We got a ton of people at this church who do, who do training. I got one that trains me every Monday that tries to kill me. <laughs> Maybe you need a mentor. Maybe you need a trainer. Maybe you need to get in a small group where you can do life with people. If you want to do that, just, 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 just contact us at info at sellingfields.com and we'll, we'll get that contact. Put it on your connection card. If you're doing life by yourself and you want to do life with others and want to get in a small group, we want to make that happen. I'll ask you the question that I asked at the beginning of the message. Next year, I want and hope to do fill in the blank. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you hope to do? What can you do right now? Define a problem. Diligently seek God and do the hard work. See, I believe God has a page that he wants to flip in your life. I believe he wants to take all of us to a whole new level. Remember, with a whole new level comes a whole new devil, but God, God can take care of that. You're going to have opposition. In fact, if, if you don't have opposition, it might not even be worth doing. Right? Stop letting the problems of your life define you. Define a problem and then take them to a problem solver. And then do whatever he asks you to do, no matter how hard it is to do it. For me to go and talk, I talked to my mom for seven hours one day. And her responses, all the responses, it was difficult for her. But I talked to her in love. And my mom and I are like this. We are tight today. And I, and, 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 and I don't know so much if that conversation was about me being free as much as it was also God setting her free. See, sometimes God will send you to a situation where you think is about you and it'll be about that other person. And both of us got set free in that situation. So how do you want to go to the next level next year? God has a plan. There's always a plan in his word. He has a plan for you. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for a plan in your word. There's always a plan in your word. And Father, I thank you that you, you want us to go to the next level more than we want it. You want the hurts, the habits, the, the hang-ups in our lives. To, to, you want us to move, move in and through and beyond those, Father. You want us to, to grow in our relationships, to, to grow in our, our marriages and our, our relationships with our friends. You want us to, to be financially free so that you can use us to do, to build your kingdom, to take hope around the world. Father, you have so much more for us than what we're experiencing. 
I don't care what level we are in our spiritual lives. You want to take us to a whole new level to make us more and more like your son. So, Father, today we, we hear your word. It, it's so clear. It's not hard to figure this out. The question is, will we submit ourselves to your word? Will we bow to your word? Will we respond in obedience to your word so that you can take us to a whole new level? So, Father, in 2021, as we move into this next year, would you help us to flip the page? Would you help us to go to a whole new level to, to be about your business? Father, I, I imagine there are people in this room and in, that are listening to me online who already know what the problem is. That wasn't the hard part. The hard part was taking it to you because uh, sometimes you'll say, James, you're the problem. And that's hard for me. So, Father, wherever, whatever the issue is, whatever the situation is, whatever the next step is, Father, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us? Would you help us be transparent? Would you help us be open and honest about the issue and about the cause of the issue? Would you help us, Father, not to lay down and wallow in the dysfunction of the issue or the problem? Would you help us to come to you transparently, openly, vulnerably? Maybe we need to fast. Maybe we need to do a season of prayer. Maybe we need to stop all the stuff and clear our schedules so that we can spend some real time in prayer. But Father, I pray that you would you would so kind of disturb us and that you would so, your spirit would so convict us until we get to a point that we say we're sick and tired of being sick and tired and we just come before you. And then as you give us the marching orders, we move forward. and see the result. And thank you, Father, for our old song that, that we used to sing when I was growing up. There is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. Thank you in my own life for removing the Teflon and replacing it with Velcro. And Father, if you can do it for me, that's just one area, that's just one problem that you have been a problem solver. If you can do it for me, you can do it for anyone else. Do me a favor, keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. Uh, if you would say, if you would say this morning, no one looking around, if you would say this morning, James, I, I've got some problems. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, to, and today, today, this day, I'm going to take those things. I'm going to define them. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to do the hard work. Would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. Good, I see it. I see it. Just put it up and put it right back down. Good, good, good. Father, you've seen the hands and the countless hands that went up online as well. So, Father, thank you for your word. Your word is so clear, so concise. 
Lord, we, want, we just want to be your people. We want to be belongers. And we want to be the best belongers that you, will, that you will make possible for us to be. So, Father, would you help us at the beginning of this new year, as we walk, walk into a new, new year on Friday, would you help us to begin this process of an emerged New Year hope? Maybe there's some people here who don't even know. You're listening to me online. You're in the auditorium. You don't even know Jesus as your personal Savior. And so it would be hard for you to take it to God because you don't know him. The good news is that the Christmas Christ child grew up and sacrificed his life so that we could have a relationship with him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so today you can, you can reach out and you can cry out to that God who loves you, who created you, who knows all about you and loves you no matter what, no matter how much you've done, no matter how far you've gone. He's the God who is there waiting, the Velcro God for a relationship. And you can just say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of doing my own thing, of going my own way. I receive you as the God who loves me into my life. And I thank you. And if you prayed a prayer like that today, we would love to know about it. Info at, 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 at SalemFields.com or um, James at SalemFields.com. We'd like to know about it. We'd like to get you into a, a, a discipleship situation. Father, thank you for what you're doing at the beginning, at the dawn of a new year in our lives. Bless us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, love you guys. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to join us in worship today, and I hope that you enjoyed the service. I hope that you experienced God in a real way, and maybe that he said something to you. And don't be a stranger here at Selwyn Fields. We want to continue to connect with you. So join us next week for worship at our normal worship times, whether in person or online. And don't hesitate to reach out. Pastor James would love to chat with you, and you can just email him at james at salemfields.com or the church in general for any questions or prayer concerns at info at salemfields.com. So I hope your 2021 is off to a great start. We'll be praying for you and we hope to see you again next week. Take care.